This is Mark Shepard, Romo Lampkin. You're listening to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. You were like, oh, are you one of those dead walkers? I liked it so much, I bought the company. <laughs> it was Vulcan crossed with Rivendale crossed with Naboo. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. And this is episode 94. I'm Brian, and in the quorum today is... Michelle. Jason. Why are you so enthusiastic? <laughs> Jason. <laughs> That's a stick. I know. You can find us on the web at galacticacorum.com. Email us at gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. Find us on iTunes. Look up Galactica or Quorum or both. Send us a voicemail at 301-358-5175. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter name is Galactica Quorum. Also, listen to our other podcast, Geek Quorum. Look for that on iTunes as well. A contest we're running is to give away Battlestar Galactica books signed by Richard Hatch. Details are on the Geek Quorum website and also on the Galactica Quorum website. There's a little button there that shows you what you need to do. For this episode, we'll be talking about the Caprica episode, Unvanquished. I have not listened to the sci-fi podcast that covers this episode yet. We won't be doing any spoilers, just speculation. We just did a podcast, so there's not any news that happened recently other than the ratings for this episode, which I'll get to in a second. So I guess we can just jump right into the episode. As is custom, I guess we'll start with one of the trademark snarky recaps. Three weeks have passed since the incident involving the runaway robot and bridge-jumping Amanda. Daniel seems broken as he's lost his wife, his company, and evidently his razor. But elsewhere, life goes on as Cylons are rolling off the assembly line with new man in charge, Virgis, and Seabucks fans are happily streaming into the Capricorn Pyramid Stadium. The festive atmosphere is shattered when STO followers blow charges that destroy the stadium. Oh, the humanity. Or not. Turns out the event was the equivalent of a holoband PowerPoint presentation, given by Clarice to a Jedi Council-like assembly of monotheists on Geminon. They aren't terribly impressed, more like disturbed. But wait, there's more, she says, and gives them a glimpse of Phase 2. Meanwhile, Daniel goes to the Tauron Mafia for help. Presenting the dead Avatar program as a business opportunity, he offers to share the profits if they can get his company back from that dirt-eater Virgis. Uh, maybe he'll just leave that last part out. On Geminon, the STO and his church engage in some odd rituals. Barnabas leads his recruits through the tried-and-true terrorist exercises of self-cutting, target practice, and monkey bars, while the Holy Mother, who is one odd bird, allows one of her priests to be knifed, Caesar-style, so that Clarice can proceed with her plan. A charred U87 that was Zoe's metal body is boxed away, but she still exists in New Cap City, rocking her katana sword and kung fu moves with a vengeance. Also still alive, Amanda. We find her in a shotgun shack, living in another part of the world, with Clarice. How did she get here? That's a story for another day. For now, let's assume that when she leaped into the silent water, she avoided the sharks and simply jumped the barge. Roll credits. Okay, so we waited a long, long time for the episode to come back on the air. So what were your thoughts on seeing the episode? And after it was done, what were your feelings? I think my biggest thing, like, I mean, and I kind of understand why people have kind of dropped off from watching it. Because, one, I don't see what it really has to do with BSG, other than that there's this Cylon thing. Like, I don't see how any of this is leading up. Oh, no. That, to me, is something that I struggle with every episode. Because okay. I watch the episode and I'm like, I have to tell myself, this really has nothing to do with BSG. I want to just watch this on its own merits. And I try and I try and I try and I try. I try as well. well hey, but... hey it, it is directly related to BSG. I mean, Willie Adama is a major 
Oh, wait, no, he's not a major character. <laughs> he hasn't been on in like six episodes. Yeah, who knows where he went, but... Yeah, and I, I don't mean, even understand the point of having the Adamas at all. I'm sorry, we don't really need them. It could have been a whole other family. And yeah, you could have just named them randomly. It's things like that and things like the whole bit at the end when Zoe's in New Cap City and she's swinging a katana sword around. And I'm thinking, this is as far from BSG as you can. If, if they ever had seen like that in BSG, you would have been like, what the frick? Was that? I mean, you well, and they made it out to be such a revelation. Like, ooh, she's a dead walker. Well, no shit, she's a dead yeah. walker. <laughs> God. Hey, was- hey. You know what? That sword swinging was as natural as a boxing episode. But she did look really good in those pants. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> All right, let's just step through the episode and see what some of the major set pieces of the episode. Okay, then, then I'll just raise the question. I have no fracking idea what the hell Clarice's grand plan is. I don't even know what the point of her is. I don't understand. She wants everybody who believes in the one God to do terrorist acts to kill themselves and be reborn in, in an electronic board. heaven. Yes. But if you're not actually dead, you can't be there. So how do you convince people that it actually exists? <laughs> but if you believe in the one true God, why are you creating an electronic heaven? Well, here's my I, question. I, it, if yeah. they... To get into the electronic heaven, someone has to create their avatar. Does she not realize that the reason that Tamara is in there and the reason Zoe is in there is because someone created their avatar? It's not actually them? I think she doesn't realize that. And meanwhile, because basically what they're also trying to tell you is that Greystone basically wants to create the same thing, except he wants to do it for profit. Right. Right. But he at least knows that you have to create an avatar. I seriously don't think she knows that. I think she thinks once you die, you end up there. I just don't know if I follow the logic of her plan. Like, at the beginning, she says, here's the plan to blow up the arena. And they, the writers kind of put a lantern on it and said, uh, well, that's kind of not a good recruitment tool. But then she's like, oh, but then we have this. And it's like, well, okay, that's part B of your plan, but you need part A? I mean, why can't you just say we have this? And people would be like, oh, that's cool. I don't see why the whole bit about let's kill everybody else. So Because basically what you'd have to do, yeah, you don't have to kill everybody else. You just have to have people that previously died already in this place. And then you have other people kind of connect, live people connect with them through the hollow bands. Yeah. So you're still interacting with the quote unquote dead or the resurrected or the. But they're not. They're just. They're just electronics. Yeah. They're bits. Uh, mm Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, did you think the arena bombing was real, or were you tipped off that it was just a simulation? I thought the colors were really hypersaturated, and I, I, right away I was like, this doesn't look like it's... See, I was really disappointed because in the preview, of course, as Jason has said, previews always make everything look cool. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, badass, they're going to blow up the stadium. And then it was like this virtual thing. I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I was pissed. Well, it's the same thing. I spent all this time thinking, yeah, you know, it's going to be a total fake out with Amanda dead. And then about 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh, wow, they really left her dead. That's pretty cool. And it's like, oh, damn it. Yeah. You know. So are they trying to give us some kind of hint that this electronic transferring of your consciousness is like, ooh, look, see how the Cylons ended up moving bodies and stuff? Is that what that's supposed to be, the initial steps of that process? Oh. I don't know. But again, I so disassociate this show with Battlestar Galactica that I don't even know if it... And maybe that's my fault. Maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. Maybe I'm trying... I'm doing the same to thing. To attach it. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's my problem. I'm trying to find little nuggets in there going, well, maybe that's what leads well, to... Well, plus, wasn't there a scene last year where you more or less saw vipers? So the creators themselves are trying to attach this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can do all they want, but it still comes back to my one fundamental flaw that goes back to the BSG finale, which was since God did it and his angels were his soldiers of the one, I guess, literally, all that predates all the Cylon story. So the angels should have been the the ones that are guiding everything. They should have had some characters that were angels. Right. And and maybe not Baltar, but maybe just, you know, some guy. Just just on the timeline, Willie Adama exists, so to speak. As what, 12 year old, 13 year old? Yeah. You know, that kind of stays. And in the webisodes where he was fighting the Cylon War. He's got to be in his early 20s. Uh, I was going to say mid to late 20s at best, maybe early 20s. So you're saying at this point. Yeah, like 10 years. That we're not just 10 years from the Cylons, like, existing. We're less than 10 years from existence, rebellion, and a, like, four to five year war, the end of a four to five year war. Yeah, actually, because the Cylon War lasted, I think they said, 12 years? Yeah, so at this point... Yeah. If, okay, so if the Cylon War lasted 12 years, then what you're telling me is the minute the Cylons get flipped on, they revolt. Yeah. Because the age of mm. Adam- of Willie Adama here and what we saw on the webisode doesn't seem yeah, to flow. They, that seems not to work too well, because they need to... The war machine, just like the base stars and all that stuff, needs to have been yeah, in production would, for it, years. It would Those take the Cylons are- a few years to ramp up. And maybe that's why it, maybe someone caught that, and maybe that's why Willie Adama is trying not to be featured so much. <laughs> it <laughs> but just took it, him now but, to but in, that. I'm just saying, in the quote-unquote canon, this right. story doesn't seem to fit in. Now That just started playing out in my head, because they showed them all being manufactured. But I was like, well, wait, they better be getting throughout all 12 colonies and, you know, establish a leadership hierarchy. And the Cylons are behind. Let's take a look then at some of the elements they introduced. We got to see a new planet. We got to see Geminon, which I thought was way too virtual set looking. They introduced the structure of the monotheistic religion with this council and the Blessed Mother, who I like Meg Tilly a lot. I think she's great. And, this, and she was great than this. I, one thing about her, which I, I just don't know if I buy her as like the leader. Like she just seemed not as someone that people would follow. She was like very quirky. Love that. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't see her as like, how does she assume that position? Was it she voted on? Is it something she inherited? I just don't know how she, someone like that, someone sort of as mousy and sort of odd would. Okay. In the grand scheme of all the problems with the show, that's the one you stuck with. I'm just looking at characters (laughs) now. I mean, if you want to paint it from, I'm trying to. How do bad shows recover? Good characters. True. Problem is, is the weakness of that character kind of plays into an overall thing. I was thinking about where, okay, there's nearly no need to bring back this mother and the council of 12 or whatever for the religion because there's no need to have them back. Unless Clarice, who in her scheming ways decides that if she wants to be head of everything, she has to take out the mother and all of the council. I'd like to know how Barnabas, Barnabas, how he fits into the whole thing because of the fact that he seems very um, calm. Well, it's funny, too, because I thought Clarice was all upset at Barnabas because he wanted to foment violence. Right. But suddenly she's being portrayed as like the uber violent, the uber violent, out of control zealot. Yeah. Was she just mad at his particular form of violence or his targets? But he seems very, like, zen about everything. 
Speaking of uh, that little group. Yeah, go ahead. You're going to bring up Lacey? Yeah. Because I still find that I'm not really attached to the characters. Most of them I just don't like because they're just not likable. Lacey, it's not that I don't like her. I just don't get her. I don't see her motivation for tagging along with these people. I don't associate myself with anything she's doing. Exactly. Her motivation for getting in touch with these people was to get Zoebot Mm -hmm. to Geminon. Well, as far as she knows, Zoebot doesn't exist anymore. So, why is she still hanging out with these people? Why did Zoe Bot need to get to Gemini in the first place? No one knows. Because Zoe wanted it that way. Got it. And at this point, wouldn't a great scene, beyond just the whole, you know, mystical anime sword fight thing and the dead walker thing, there couldn't have been a scene where Lacey put on the holoban to try to find Zoe to see if the Avatar still survived? You really don't think that might not have been one of her first moves? <laughs> I think she just wants to hook up with Barnabas. <laughs> he's totally got the cult leader. Yeah. He's oh. totally got that religious cult leader vibe thing going. You know, Koresh and... To worship God, you must get naked with me. Right. Exactly. Okay. I'm surprised they still have the boy, the other guy that she tagged along with. Along. Yeah. You think Barnabas would have had him, like, oh. volunteer for a suicide mission? Yeah. <laughs> So is Joseph Adama basically like a made man in the mob now? Yeah. Like, he's just pretty much given up the whole, like, trying to be... He was a lawyer. He was their lawyer, but was kind of unsure about it. But now it seems like, screw that it. That, to me, personifies the show in general. It's, just, it, it's so directionless. Like, it started off as, like, this family thing. They lost their kids, and there was grief. And then it started off as this police procedural thing. And then it became, now it's the religions are fighting... Joseph Adama, he started off as his lawyer. Now he wants to be in the mob. He was a father to his son. Now the son is gone. <laughs> and, <laughs> I just, what? and how the hell did Clarice get off of Caprica? In the last scene, a van she was driving with people in it happened to blow up after she got out of the car. And then she had time to go save Amanda? She's basically rescued Amanda. <laughs> really, the police just assumed she was in the car? Like, they couldn't have found a witness that said, we saw a black-haired woman get out of the car right before it blew up. Right. But yet, here she is on Gemini. So, uh, let's go ahead and jump to the last scenes, then. <sighs> All episode long, I'm thinking, they actually might have taken the jump. They actually got rid of that character, and they're going to maybe make her an avatar. I mean, she'll still be on the show in some capacity yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. But And then she shows up at the end. And it was supposed to be some sort of big shocker reveal. But Oh, my God, Amanda's a lesbian! It was... <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was like the scene where they shot the dog, but they didn't shoot the dog. They, yeah. they pulled back and they just didn't have the balls to do it. All right, let's speculate then. Why would, aside from the lesbian overtones, why would Amanda go and stay with Clarice? And also, why would Daniel have this ruse that his wife is dead? So does what he, purpose does he that serve? Does he think? No, he knows she's alive. They're he sending knows. messages back and forth was the implication. Okay, then it makes no sense. Because he's leaving her voicemails and stuff, so he knows that she's alive. See, I just assumed he was doing one of those quirky, like, I'm talking to her voicemail because it's all I have Yeah, I thought that at first, yeah. That made sense. It doesn't make sense to me if he knows she's alive. But he obviously does, because the way she was responding back to him was basically, hey, I can't really talk about this right now. Okay. Meaning we've had this conversation and I don't want to talk about it. Okay, then it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. What is it in his life that makes it necessary for her to be on the lam? Sitting there in a cabin with her foot in a, a boot. I guess the worst thing that happened to her was she sprained her ankle as she fell off a 100-foot bridge. You know what? I really have no idea what it benefits him. I really don't get it. Is it to generate sympathy? Is it to... Is there a life insurance policy? <laughs> I don't know. What, what is the deal? I've I, got no clue. Maybe he's just to. too embarrassed to let people know that she left him? 
There has to be some it? reason. If they don't address that, then that's just a yeah. monumental Look, glaring. If bomb. I can just get a couple episodes that focus purely on Virgis, Greystone, Adama. Are they going to have an episode where we see the fabulous rescue of how Amanda was yeah. pulled from the water or from the barge or whatever she landed on? How Three weeks yes, ago. Yes, the fabulous episode where the woman who got out of the van that subsequently blew up in a traffic jam was then able to go over to the water, rescue a blonde woman who had jumped off a bridge, and sneak her out of the traffic jam without anyone asking any questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would like to see that episode. I think a more if they do that episode, they probably would bring her to a hospital, but somehow Clarice uses her or STO connections and gets her out and fakes her death or something. I don't know. But again, how does Daniel get involved with that? If she goes to a hospital, Daniel's going to know she's in the hospital. She's not going to disappear. Right. She's famous in her own right. And how would she get out without Daniel? They almost have to be connected. Like, Daniel almost has to be working with Clarice for it to work. (laughs) We're we're spending a lot of time talking about something that honestly is not going to last beyond the episodes that have already been filmed. All right, so let's bring that up real fast. The last episode in March that aired was the mid-season finale. That got 1.1 million viewers and a .5 rating for 18 to 49 adults which is at the low end of what is acceptable for sci-fi. Just as comparison, SGU typically gets 1.4 to 1.6 million. Eureka and Warehouse 13 are doing, they're doubling that number. They're closer to 2 million. This episode got under a million. It got 880,000 viewers and a 0.4 rating. So if they were hoping to at least match what they got before, they didn't. And unless they really get a spike in the next episode... There is honestly no way they'd read well, the show. They will burn through all these episodes. I mean, they'll burn through them, but... I heard a theory that they put it on in October twofold. One, to see if they would get ratings, and if they did, then possibly they would renew it. And B, so Ron Moore's contract could be done so he could move on to his other production deals. Not too much feedback. I was hoping to get some people that liked the show and sent in uh, feedback, but unfortunately... Um, Unfortunately not. So uh, here is a voicemail (laughs) from our collaborator, Jesse, who oftentimes has a very optimistic view of the show, much more so than I usually do. So let's see what he thought. It's been several months, and both the good and the bad of Caprica has sort of faded from my memory. But once I pulled it up and saw the latest episode on the DVR and started watching it, all of it, the good and the bad, came rushing back. This show has a few good points. I really like the stuff with Daniel and Joseph. I think the idea of the gangster mentality and the whole different cultures of the different tribes is interesting. But I can't stand any scene with the crazy nun Clarice. And the ending with Amanda wasn't shocking. It was just irritating. The only reason I'm sticking with the show is because I enjoy this podcast and I want to hear everyone's thoughts. And to be candid, that's a lousy reason to watch a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so why did we record this podcast? We could have just played that voice message and said ditto. <laughs> that's why we do the podcast. He, summed up, he summed up our, our entire feelings right there. <laughs> They've made the most hated character on the show, and not hated in a good way, like, why is she on my screen hated? Like, the central figure in the entire thing all of a sudden. Why are you going to pay Essie Morales and Eric Stoltz if you're not going to, like, use them? To their fullest, yeah. 
I'm not going to argue that Stoltz and Asai Morales aren't doing a fabulous job. Stoltz is amazing in this. He's great. And he directed this episode, which from a stylistic perspective, by the way, I thought directing wise, it was... Yeah, okay. I'll it was an A directing. That actually raises my opinion of the episode, though. I mean, it was really it good. I thought that from a directing perspective, it was excellent. I think they did tack in like a few things like the little cabin scene at the end, the little New Cap City thing at the end. Those almost seemed like they were hammered in, sandwiched in, just to make the episode cover all the bases. But Well, they were hammered in at the end to make you come back next week, yeah. because you're supposed to get the answers to these dun-dun-dun mysteries. There yeah. is no dun-dun-dun in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, that all said, I think that is being wasted, because Clarice, no one really likes Clarice. Zoe... No one likes Zoe. And why did the guys in New Cap City fight Zoe if they know she can't be killed? That bugged me. But if they killed, but if she kills them, they can never come back. Why would you be actively searching her to fight? Well, they all look like they were following Tamara, which is a whole other thing, too. They were like, oh, are you one of those dead walkers? But yet they're following Tamara. She's a dead walker. I don't understand. Why are you getting pissed that off? That scene a- annoyed me to no end. What Jason said was exactly like, they know that she's unbeatable. So why are you going to just basically snuff yourself out of the game? Yeah. Is that like suicide by cop? Like, I'm done. I'm bored. Let's go find yeah, something I'm tired else. of this game. Let's go find a new game. So what about, okay, again, let's try to overlook that and try to speculate about what it could mean. Like, are they setting up a Zoe versus Tamara? The one God fight? One God fight guess. Yeah, why not? I still think they're going in the direction where one of the girls is going to be the start of the Cylon consciousness. Well, one of, <laughs> it has to be, it, and it has to be one of them. I'm Wait, sure they're setting it up that way. So we're going to have a, is this going to be their version of Highlander? Two people that can't be killed except by cutting their heads off? I never really watched Basically, Highlander either. Basically, it's supposed either. to be an epic battle. An epic battle between two people that can't be killed. If, again, if you're trying to tie it back to BSG, yes, the Cylons in BSG very, very clearly established it, that there was just one god. Right. So you can't have two Deadwalkers that become a god. Because well, why are really... we saying that the Deadwalkers are the god, though? Yeah, I wouldn't think they would be considered the god. Well, if it's a consciousness that can't be killed. But basically, that Deadwalker would be the start of the Cylon, not necessarily... Oh, okay. Not okay. the thing that created the oh, Cylon okay. consciousness, okay. but the Cylon consciousness. <laughs> Is that word being used correctly? I don't know. <laughs> so I, so that, I was saying it from the start, that they're either going to do Zoe or Tamara as the Cylon. So it still goes back to basically being, and if I may quote Heathers here, my teen angst bullshit has a body count. Yeah. Yeah. Teen angst brings down a society. Didn't we say that from the start? Holy. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure we have. As much as you don't believe me, I still reiterate, I'm really trying hard to like this. I'm not just... Maybe it'll get better. <laughs> I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. I really am because I really want... I want to see where they're going to take it. That's really the only reason why I'm watching it. If I didn't care about the BSG universe, there's no way in hell I'd be watching this show. My expectations are so high. I think that might be part of the problem. Probably. Like, you know what? If you just want to throw me a bone, and I know it's too late to actually add any scenes, how about... You see, it's too late because Clarice is already back on Caprica. But wouldn't it have been cool for, like, when Clarice was going from Geminon back to Caprica, she had to, like, evade vipers and a battle star that were looking for potential terrorists? Budget. I know. <laughs> I know. Not going to happen. But yet they could make the virtual set. I'm sure that wasn't cheap. Yes, it was. It was cheap. <laughs> it was cheaply done. Oh, that's true. It's like I was trying to figure out, like, I'm looking at it going, okay, it's not really Hogwarts. It looks a little bit like... It was like Rivendale 
Yeah. It, it, it kind of had like a yeah. Spock on Vulcan kind of vibe. Yeah, it was like it was Vulcan crossed with Rivendale crossed with Naboo. Yeah. That's what it was. And what's the thing about like... And a little bit of the Matrix Zion or whatever. Yeah. 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 All right. So I have one thing that really bothered me when I was watching the episode, and that was... Just one. Well, okay, just one. What have we been doing for the past 50, 40 minutes? <laughs> was Greystone goes to see the Havafa, whatever, the Toron Mafia, and he presents them with this idea about what he wants to do. Again, I thought that's the idea they should have ran with from the beginning of the series, where he markets this Avatar program, whatever. But I thought it was so wrong for him to go to them. I mean, maybe if he wanted help, but for have them like be in on the deal, I thought it was wrong because they made a whole episode about the fact that they had this whole ceremony where... Where they say goodbye to their dead relatives and that's it. They don't, after that, they can let go. Yeah. And yeah. So doesn't it like go against everything that they believe? And I know that like there's like a profit motive for like the mafia organizations, but doesn't that cross a boundary? You know, we do all this stuff. We have these tattoos on our body that this represents so and so and this represents so and we have this whole ceremony where we, I mean, that's their life. Well, I, I think, I think I would just say in that sense that from the Toron mafia perspective, if it's something that they're pulling over on the Capricans and getting rich from it too, sure, why not? I don't know. I, that to me just seemed like something they wouldn't it step their toe in as far as business. They'd be yeah, because like, it goes against their core cultural belief. I don't know. It just I guess, but the mafia can be a little it can be. But I think they're Torons first, and then that's then true. They're not. Well, a- I mean, if you want to talk about Torons, I mean, so Virgis got the company. I liked it so much, I bought the company. <laughs> he got the team, and now he's, like, completely and utterly focused on building the Cylon. Like, he completely forgot that what he really wanted to do was destroy Greystone. I think he already did that, though. Oh, wow. No, 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 no. There's a difference. No, oh, okay. No, 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 no. The way they portrayed it, it wasn't just, like, taking all your stuff. I think it was, I want to destroy you. Okay, so that wraps up this episode. Uh, again, our email is gcormygmail.com and our voicemail 301-358-5175. Whether you like Caprica or don't like Caprica, let us know. And if there's other geek topics, you can also send email or voicemail to those addresses because we will address them on our other podcast, Geek Quorum. We'll be talking about Stargate Universe Fringe Woo-hoo. and what else has just started up? Oh, yeah, the event. Haven't been watching. Haven't started. I've heard mixed things. Ted said he would give it one more episode, and if it looks good, if the next episode is good, he's going to force me to watch it. Yeah, but the problem is, is it's a sci-fi show on NBC. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks again for subscribing. We'll see you next time. Jump clock is running. Bye-bye. Bye. You recorded a podcast about True Blood and didn't include me. What the hell? I asked you about it. You were busy that night. B.S. You did not. (laughs) I did, too. (laughs) Okay, maybe now it gets interesting. (laughs) So, Michelle, how do you feel about that? Do you like True Blood? Do you watch True Blood? I love True Blood.
but yet Ryan feels that you're not qualified to be on the True Blood podcast. I'm pretty sure I asked you and you said you, you couldn't do it that night. Maybe well, you had you mommy know, things you were to on do. Skype sure. And you said you couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. I guess not. You know. It's probably a mommy thing. You're the thing, one that chose to have a kid. Here's the problem. <laughs> okay. 